Travels with Charlie is paid for by Jolly Convenience Stores, Milne Travel American Express, and Casella Waste. The views and opinions expressed in Travels with Charlie do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to wdev at radiovermont.com. Well, it's all about all the folks you meet. Sitting in a diner or out in the street. Catch up with the news. Get your point of view. I want to hear what unravels. I'll see you in my travels. And good afternoon. Welcome uh, back to Travels with Charlie. Always great to be here at WDEV and the studios. And uh, to have in studio with me today my first guest. I will introduce him in just a moment. As always, thanks for listening and uh, thanks to our sponsors. I certainly do want to make sure to, to mention the sponsors, Jolly Convenience Stores, Casella Waste Systems, and Milne Travel American Express. Uh, also a reminder that past shows and Travels with Charlie videos are always available on WDEVradio.com. And you should certainly check that out because uh, one of the things that we're going to be talking about today with my first guest was uh, one of the uh, topics that we had for one of our videos, and I forget exactly which one it was, but uh, there was Jeff Davis, the developer, myself, and Senator Chris Pearson, and we set up a tent in the Walmart parking lot and saying, oh, yes, we did. <laughs> uh, and we talked about uh, Act 250 and permitting, and uh, certainly that was a great spot to do it. Had a lot of people looking at us like, what are those guys doing? They thought it was a homeless encampment ready to kick us out, but uh, we were we, we got through it. We, and it's a very interesting, also very entertaining video, so we would suggest that uh, you check that out at WDEVradio.com. Well, We've got a full lineup today. I mean, we are jam-packed today. We'll have details on a first annual Harvest Home and Hearth Fest that is happening this Saturday in St. Albans. We will also have our Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight with Michael Casella joining me today in studio. Going to be talking about a proposal in Burlington that will affect homeowners and multiple trash haulers. I'm thinking... Uh, uh, shades of Burlington Telecom, we shall see. But my first guest today wears and has worn many hats. In fact, if I mention them all, we'll probably run out of time, uh, so I won't do that. But you have known him as a fire chief, a realtor, a town manager, currently still is the town manager, minority leader of the Vermont House, and candidate for lieutenant governor. By now, you must know who that is. Welcome to Don Turner. Good afternoon, Don. Good afternoon, Charlie. It's great to be with you. Great to be with you again. We have yes. done so many shows together in the past, and certainly uh, this one uh, is a little bit different. You've, you've come to the WDEV studios. We used to meet in Colchester. Uh, I'm going to just say one thing, too, but... Uh, uh, you know, this time of year, you know, driving, again, not driving at 4 o'clock in the morning, but certainly, uh, you know, driving, uh, you know, mid-morning, midday, and foliage. It is just looking gorgeous out there, is it not? It, it is, Charlie. Um, today's a little rainy, but I was out this weekend and made some trips around. It's beautiful. It's starting to change, and I think we're going to have a great fall season. I hope it's good for the tourists to come to Vermont. We need that for sure. Boy, we do. Do we not? Yes. Well, well, you know, Don, I, I asked you to come on the program today to talk more about an op-ed piece that you wrote for Vermont Business Magazine dealing with the permitting process in Vermont. And that's why I referred to the, the video that we did with Chris Pearson and, and Jeff Davis, the developer. And that was almost two and a half, three years ago, I think, when we did that video. Man, time flies. And when you think about that, you go, well, what's changed in those three years? And I can remember you and I talking about this same topic five years ago on my other radio program. And it seems, Don, like nothing has changed, has it? Uh, it really hasn't, Charlie. And uh, just uh, for full disclosure, too, I I now am a member of the Natural Resources Board. I've been on that committee. I was appointed by Governor Scott um, shortly after I left the legislature. So I serve on the Act 250 or Natural Resources Board, and I there's not a lot of changes. I mean, there's been a lot of proposals in the legislature uh, over the last several years. Um, the governor had put some stuff forth. The uh, the majority put stuff forth, but ultimately, really nothing has happened to change anything. 
and there needs to be changes, as you as you know, and as Vermonters know, or anybody that's uh, in the business or trying to develop housing or any kind of project. We need some changes. Well, you know, we talk about how beautiful it is out today. You know, the foliage is there, and people are coming to Vermont, and we hope that they stay here. They want to make this their home. They want to bring their their businesses here. And yet, you can't just rely on, well, it's a beautiful place unless there's housing, unless it's easy to. And I'll let you get into some of the stories, too, about, the you know, the nightmares of somebody that wants to build a business here, wants to build a development, mm-hmm. and what goes on. And by the way, I would love to throw this out to if, if we've got developers, if we've got people in the construction trades that are listening and they're in their trucks, they're driving around, to join us. And if you have a question, Don Turner is here to answer your question, 244-1777 or toll-free at 1-877-291-8255. So, Don, let's get into the op-ed piece that you wrote for Vermont Business Magazine. And I would like you to describe, again, for our listeners, the... The picture that you brought that you brought up in your in your article, Phoenix, Arizona. You referred to it as a 24-hour city, mm-hmm. uh, um, and and then you you compare it to Vermont in terms of getting a project done. Could you get into that? Sure, for us? I'd be happy to, Charlie. And, and you know, just for a little context, is you know we we don't have a housing demand problem in Vermont. We have a supply problem, and that's that's the issue. And it seems as though we just keep focusing on how we're going to buy buy our way out of it, and we just can't do that. So what I wrote about was Phoenix, Arizona. It's a it's example I found. We did some research, and we found this. Ultimately, in Phoenix, Arizona, you could, if you had a 100-unit project, you could walk into the, the city of Phoenix planning office and really walk out with a permit to build 100 units and maybe start your project in a week, you know? And, and that's probably... I mean, that's fast. I get that. And, and I'm, I'm a Vermonter, and I've gone through the Act 250 process yeah. myself as a developer. So, I mean, I'm saying, wow, that would be way to go. But when you care, compare that where you're open for business, you go in and get a permit the same day, and you can start your project, you know, you've spent time and effort before you even get to that point with financing and buying land. and all. So there's a lot of stuff that leads up to that. So it's a little deceiving that you can just do that and be out of it. But then you compare that to Vermont. And I use the example in Brandon, Vermont. If we were going to build 100 units in Brandon, Vermont, just outside of the downtown area, uh, we would have to first – we do all the same stuff about getting our banking in place, getting our project designed, all that stuff. But you walk into the town office, you're going to go to a DRB uh, hearing. Uh, that's going to take at least a month, maybe probably three to four months to get through that process. And if you've done that, you've done well. But if you're outside of a designated area – then you got to go to Act 250. We know that that process has 10 criteria. It seems easy, but those criteria have had grown and grown and grown over the years. So you're going to apply for your Act 250 permit. It's going to be at least 30 days before you even know if you got a complete application. And then it's going to be several months before you go through that process. And, and then we'd be – Meanwhile, you're still writing checks. We're still writing checks. Yeah. And we're hoping that when we get through that process, we don't get appealed. Because you could get appealed at the local level, which would go to a court process, environmental court. Uh, then when you go to Act 250, you're going to get appealed if the person's not satisfied that appealed at the local level, can just go and appeal you at, appeal the permit at the state level. So you could go back into environmental court through the Act 250 and then go into the Supreme Court if they don't really like the outcome there. So it depends on who you're, who's fighting the project. But the bottom line is we don't have a predictable process, right. and we don't have something that's that works in a timely manner uh, for people to build these projects. So if somebody has to make a choice, somebody that is considering a, a development or even a business, mm-hmm. they're going to choose a place that's going to cost them less to put it in. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and, and you can't – the challenges we face, there is this – Huge demand, as we said, we don't have a demand problem, we have a supply problem. Yeah. Look what's happened in Burlington. I mean, we have these appeals going on and on and on. Those are several hundred units. I mean, there's a lot to that project, but it's still, 
an example of. Are you referring to the current the, hole in the, the hole in the ground in, in Burlington? In, in you know, city market, there's, yeah, there's city appeals going on. There's processing, but they had their city permits. Yeah. yeah. And now they're still. St- and Do I don't you think? Know. By the way, my guest today, Don Turner, we're talking about an op-ed piece that he wrote in Vermont Business Magazine. We're talking about Act 250. If you have a question or comment, two four four seventeen seventy seven. Toll free at one eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. If you've been through the process, if you're a developer, if you're in the construction trade, we would love to hear from you today. Please give us a call, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. Do you think that Act 250, I mean, there's good intentions, obviously. It wasn't created because we want to make it difficult to, to build here or to live here. Do you think that it's being abused or misused? I mean, when you take a look at what happened in Burlington, here they are. My God, I was still on the air talking, of, you know, three years ago talking about this project, yeah. and now we have a hole in the ground. Nothing's happening. UVM was supposedly taking a number of office spaces in there. That didn't happen. Was it misused, the Act 250 law? I think there are cases where it is. I don't know a lot of specific details about the Burlington example, but I do know of many examples uh, where it has been abused. You know, it's, it's essentially – uh, people that don't want a project extorting a developer. And I can cite a case. There was a project in Milton. It was a, a big commercial developer. Bought this plan. He had 60 or 80 acres. The neighbor, there was a single house in a commercial area next door to this property. He went through the town process, no problem. We wanted it. We were open for business in Milton. We wanted him there. And he'll tell you this all the time. Uh, but at the Act 250 level, the neighbor... Uh, didn't want the project. So he came up with all these environmental criteria. He didn't have to hire a lawyer. He didn't have to hire anybody. And here the developer had spent thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get to this point, and we were going into the winter. What he ended up having to do is to buy that person's house for well over the value. I mean, yeah. 100000 plus over the value yeah. because he understood that the, the, the delay with the appeal and the attorney fees – and the time it was going to cost and the cost of construction if he waited to the next construction season was going to exceed him paying an astronomical amount for that property. So it was cheaper to just buy the house. Buy him out. Yeah, so get rid that of to me is a, abuse, a misuse of the permitting process. And there has to be a way. I mean I'm not saying we should take the rights of neighbors away. <clears throat> but they're, they have to have skin in the game too. Right. There has to be a legitimate appeal a reason to appeal a project to hold it up in Act 250. And that's the part that, you know, I, I get disappointed with. You know, I've, in my time in Montpelier, we've done some common sense steps that we did. You know, we, we, we just, we expanded priority housing project. We have a downtown in Milton. If we could get that area designated um, where it didn't have to go through Act 250, now a developer could come in, secure a piece of property, understand the zoning regulations, and have a predictable process because he wouldn't be held to these other standards. And it's duplicative. You know, if we in Milton have a very thorough, comprehensive zoning, uh, unified development regulations, that's about that, you know, an inch and a half thick. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at a lot of things. And then you have state agencies, water and wastewater and all that stuff. We have a ton of infrastructure. We have a huge sewer plant operating at about a third the capacity. We have natural gas. We have land. Why are we causing these developers to go through duplicative stages and adding cost so that the end product is unaffordable for many people? The solution in the past has been, well, we'll have a nonprofit come in and the state will fund it and give them money and they'll charge – it'll cost them 30 to 40 percent more to build it and we'll have affordable housing. That That's not the answer. Right. You know, That's not the answer. So we did expanding priority housing projects. Uh, expediting the review in dep- depressed areas, you know, we support it. Increasing tax exemptions for construction materials related to projects, certain projects. Adding resources to the environmental court so you can expedite these appeals. And, and restructuring, restructuring the appeal process. These are common sense ways you could address these things. Not taking anybody's rights away, but expediting the process. We know, I know, many people know, Time is money. When you're developing a project, right. you've spent all this money in engineers and architects and so on. 
if you can't get that build and you lose a year, that just adds to the end cost. You mentioned so, you mentioned common sense. I, I could ask you a loaded question here. <laughs> I won't get you in trouble okay, with the, with, yeah. the, with the legislature, oh, good, but you good, know good. where I'm going. Yeah. Uh, and I will. Uh, we will continue in that vein when we uh, we take a quick break. We'll come right back. We'll continue our conversation with Don Turner, the town manager of Milton, and of course uh, the the writer of an op-ed piece on Act 250. Stay right here on Travels with Charlie W D E V. The waste and resource management industry is a complex, integrated system that many people and communities take for granted. Trash, recycling, compost, we're all familiar with the terms, but maybe not the truths behind the waste industry. Want to learn more? Beyond the Bin is a podcast by Casella, which shines a light on what really happens to our waste and recycling. If you're interested in environmental sustainability and renewable resources, then check out this podcast. You'll learn about waste and recycling, meet members of the Casella team, and one episode even deals with beekeeping. Check it out online at www.casella.com forward slash beyond the bin. All right, I'll give you a, a quick guess here. Uh, unless Don knows the answer. The Hollies, long, cool woman in a black dress. One of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time. And certainly, uh, it's got a long lead in, so you can do the talk right up to the post. Corm uh, doing the music for me this afternoon. Welcome back, Charlie Vapillo on Travels with Charlie. Don Turner with me this afternoon. Great to have you in studio with me, Don. Thank you for coming. Uh, I'd like you to, again to touch on something that that you brought up that you don't hear a lot of. You know, we often hear about there's a uh, you know uh, a demand for housing, uh, but you say it's not a housing demand problem; it's a housing supply problem. Explain that again, if you would please. Sure, sure, Charlie. I mean, we we today and due to COVID have a huge demand for housing, but if you look at vacancy rates for the last decade and even beyond, vacancy rates have been very low in Vermont. Uh, you know, house prices and stuff have been somewhat stable and so on. But we need more inventory. So you can't fix a demand problem if you don't increase supply. And we haven't done that. So what I've pointed out in this op-ed is that we have to start focusing on getting more units built so that we have more inventory. We have more supply, and that will catch up to the demand. Right. But what we've been doing is throwing pro- throwing more and more money at you know, increased housing uh, tax incentives, expanded down payment assistance program. We boosted the downtown and village tax center credits. I voted for these in the legislature. They're great. But the prices are still going through the roof Mm -hmm. because we're not addressing the supply. So we need more inventory so that balances out. It's a supply and demand. You know, it's economic supply and demand. So we need to get more units built and – our regulatory process today is so constrained and costly that you drive people out of that business and you, you end up with a few bigger developers and they're going to focus in certain areas where there's a higher return. Right. You know, So we've got to get back to where if you live in the Northeast Kingdom or in Rutland or some other part of the state, that you can have a small de- a developer that can go in and do 10 or 20 sure. units and build them, but today, because the bigger developers don't want those jobs, do they? No, right? no, they yeah. want hundreds. They of want units. the big ones. They yeah. want the big yeah. ones where the return is high. Sure, but but today with our regulatory process, you've really driven out the medium-sized developer, the small developer. I mean, I would consider I'm a developer. Yeah. My dad has been for 50 years. Today we couldn't do a project. You know, it's you got three, four, five hundred thousand up front before you get a first unit built. That's too risky. Yeah. I mean, it's too risky. So people like myself and people in that business used to have builders that would take on a project of 12 or 15 units because sure. it would give them work for the next two or three years. Yeah. They can't do it today. Yeah. It's because of this regulatory process, and we've got to increase the supply, and regulatory reform is, in my opinion, the 
fastest, least expensive way to do that. Yeah. Developers, or if you're in the construction trade and you're listening this afternoon to Travels with Charlie along with Don Turner, we would love to hear your comments or questions. 244-1777, toll free at 1-877-291-8255. If you have a horror story about trying to get a project done, how long it took you to get it done, or maybe you just put your hands up and said, you know, I'm done, I'm out of here. You know, Don, one of the points that you make about the uh, supply problem, uh, and this all coincides with, you know, you know, the governor trying to attract more people to the state. We're paying them to come here. Uh, and and I hear so many times from, from employers that they offer jobs, they're paying relatively decent wages, and, you know, somebody comes here and they go, love it, I'll take the job. And then they go look for an apartment or they look to buy a house and they say, I can't afford to live here. And this is what's driving the cost of housing. So unless we do something with the permitting process, we can pay people to come here, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. That ain't going to cut it. doesn't cut it, Charlie. And, you know, I've heard, uh, you know, I've heard this over and over. And, you know, as my in my role as town manager, I, you know, I get lots of opportunity to talk with local businesses and stuff. We're very fortunate in Milton to have Husky. You know, that business came right. back in the 90s, a beautiful business. It's a manufacturing business, but they're 350 people. They could hire 30 more people. They just can't get them to come. Yeah. They won't work there because they can't afford to live here. You know, there's a, there's a business in the industrial park that wants to hire 40. Same thing. We've been working with Greater Burlington Industrial Corporation. Uh, and it doesn't only stem to the private business. I had a fellow town manager say to me they, they had offered a job to somebody from out west for one of their high end offs, you know, one of their higher end positions in the town, and the the person looked at it and said, "I can't afford to live there. I, I'm not going to make enough to be where I am today. Yeah. So I'm better to stay here in California than go to Vermont." So this is a problem that has just gotten a lot worse due to COVID. I mean, it's been something. You and I have been talking for years, and I've known this business for 30 years, yeah. and it's just really COVID has really exploited what this issue is because we did have an influx of people coming from out of state but with no inventory or very little inventory it didn't take much to exploit building materials the prices of building materials also went way up i mean i I know of people who are saying you know don't put the deck on this year wait because lumber is just ridiculous yeah and there was a lot of that going on but I'm, i'm just saying without any inventory in the housing market any kind of insertion of pressure like that with people coming in and buying up the inventory and driving the price up it just expanded exploited this issue this supply issue yeah. that we have so and don what what can we do to make uh, to make our legislature or legislators aware they're aware of the problem mm-hmm. and as you and i you know when we first started to, to talk this afternoon discussed how nothing really is being done no. How can we make them realize that this is very important? It's more than just a housing crisis. It's about, as the governor states, we have people leaving the state every day. We have less people working here. I talked with the governor two weeks ago about the workforce and people not being able to find employees. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they're not offering enough money. Most places now, you know, this $15 an hour minimum wage <laughs> that we discussed a couple of years ago, everybody's paying that and they're doing it on their own. It and is. they still can't get people to work. And that is because of uh, the, the cost of housing. So unless that's taken care of, come on, legislators, let's get on the ball this year. Absolutely. You know, we, we need a concerted effort to increase the supply of housing in Vermont. And we, we can do it with common sense regulatory relief. You know, we don't need, you know, we can do this with, with common sense regulatory relief and we can lower housing costs without breaking the bank if we just are smart and, and plan through this. We could do this. I think there's, there's a couple easy things that could be done. And that's expanding these downtown areas that have infrastructure. And, and exempting them from Act 250. That would be one thing right there yep. that would allow more units in in relatively short time and not cost a lot of money to taxpayers. Because what we've been doing is taxpayer – it's a burden on the taxpayers. Sure. You know, when you give tax incentives or you offset some expense, 
um, with taxpayer dollars, you're costing everybody else is paying more to live here too. Right. And we've got to, you know, we know that. So by modifying or adjusting through common sense approaches, you take a downtown area and you expand it. If a community has water and sewer and the services they need, they have zoning and permitting that requires an extensive review. Why do we need to duplicate it? Yeah, it's already there. It's already there. Yeah, yeah. So, you, and, and again, I don't want people – I'm on the Natural Resources Board. I'm, a, I'm one of the five. And I, I think even as a developer, Act 250 was created for a reason that has served our state well. Even as a developer – there are many good things that I support about Act 250 and the protection of their natural resources in Vermont. Nobody wants us to to see the the mountains clear cut. That's right. And the stuff. None of us that live here, nobody coming here wants that. So that That's argument, why people come here. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we're not going to destroy that, but we have to have capacity for people to live. We have to create housing that people can afford. And it sh- and it's not all low income housing, you know the people the businesses that I just talked about they pay their employees fairly. You know these these municipalities are paying a fair wage. Right. When they can't afford to buy a house, we got a the problem is that, really out of control. Yeah, the flag should be going up. Exactly. You know, you mentioned common sense, and we t- touched on it a moment ago. And I know that uh, over the years we've discussed uh, the parties, and I've often said that I, I, we need a common sense party. And I've often questioned why. In some of these issues, you take a look at it and you go, okay, we know the Dems are going to vote this way. We know the Republicans are going to vote this way. And obviously I'm biased, and you would be as well, that it seems that on the Republican side, that's where the common sense is. You know, why is there so much pushback when we're trying to uh, allow more housing in Vermont and, 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 uh, you know, to to move some of the permitting, you know, out of the way? Mm -hmm. You know, Charlie, I... You know, I spent 13 years in the legislature. I was the minority leader, so I was the spokesman of our caucus. And, you know, it was challenging. It's still challenging because there, we all want I, – I can't – I don't know anybody, what whether they're party affiliation or whatever, that's opposed to these things, having more affordable housing. Right. We want our kids to grow up and get a job here and stay here, Right. We have an aging population. We got to find out how to keep youth in the but state. But it seems that the party of majority in Montpelier, they and we've talked about this before as well. Um, you know, they you go into the room and they go, okay, mm-hmm. uh, this is how we're going to vote. In fact, there was discussion one time. There was a yes no. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah, you brought it up. Yeah, I brought, it up. I brought right. that up. Yeah. <laughs> the yes I no. Know. This is how we're going to vote, yeah. everybody. It's how you uh, vote today if you're the majority. <laughs> I never had one on my desk. <laughs> uh, I figured people represented their constituents. Yes, first, that's the way it should, it be. should be. Again, and, it's common sense. And Come if on. We, if we love Vermont, we have to start doing things a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, or there is no Vermont. You know, people of Vermont, they're not going to be able. Nobody's going to be able to live here if it's so so costly to 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 buy a house or to own a property, to pay your taxes, to to you know, education costs are just through the roof. You know, right. we. We we have to find a way to address some of these issues and 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 of all the issues that I get take that I'm interested in and that I've fought and worked on over the last 20 years, housing's one that seems that it could be dealt with without making it partisan because you can see the it's all clear you know you just right. you, you remove yeah. these obstacles and it will happen naturally you don't have to pay a right. developer to do a project. Right. If you remove some of these obstacles and you make it predictable. Did I hear in the news today that you've got a new town garage coming in? We are working on uh, – yep. Are you pulling some strings as a town manager here? No, I'm doing a lot of work, Charlie. (laughs) I I think the stars are aligning. You know, we can get 30-year, 2% interest. Uh, We're going to sell some buildings. We are a couple buildings that we currently use. Uh, but it's, it's a, not new construction, right? It will be a new it facility. Is, it yeah, is new. It, yeah, we actually got yeah. – I just got the land donated. Uh, nice. So we're we're working through that. Um, we get some ARPA dollars that we can expand water and sewer. So, Great. you know, we're going to go through that process. And, uh, you know, we're doing our homework. we got the next six months to make sure people understand we've done our homework. Yeah. And I promise them, as I always have, it's going to be clear and it's up to them.
All right. Hey, Don, great to see you today. Don Turner, the uh, town manager of Milton, and he's worn many, many other hats. Uh, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you if, if you're considering a run at any point in I, the future. I get a lot of uh, questions about that, Charlie. I, I will never say no, yeah. uh, but I am working on some projects today that I think can – my goal going to Montpelier was to make a difference. I make a difference every day in Milton. If I can make a difference in, in, in Vermont as a whole – by my participation, then I'm open to that. And you can read his op-ed piece at Vermont yeah. Business um, Vermont Business Magazine. Yes. Thank you very much, Charlie. For Don, great to see you. Thank you for joining me today on Travels with Charlie, and hopefully we'll uh, continue our conversation at, at a later point. I hope so. Thank you. Always welcome back. Thank you. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, it's the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Michael Casella joining me next right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. When I'm on my travels throughout Vermont, I know where to stop for a fill-up, fresh-made sandwiches, snacks, hot coffee, or an ice-cold Coca-Cola. Jolly convenience stores. With over 40 in our area, there's always one nearby. And they're more than a quick stop. Proudly supporting local charities, community events, and our military. Jolly convenience stores. Home of the Daily Smile. Even behind that mask. Stop by today. You'll be glad you did. Carm, you gotta go, you gotta go deeper. Mata Hoople, all the young dudes, which was also covered by David Bowie in the past. Thank you for joining me here on Travels with Charlie Corm on the board and joining me on the phone line this afternoon, Michael Casella with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Michael, thank you for joining me again this afternoon. Charlie, thanks, thanks for having me. I had hoped that we'd have you in studio here. I know the, uh, you know, our producer Brad Furlan wants to do a, a shot of the the two of us together and see whose hair is longer. When I when I saw you back in April, yours was pretty long. I hadn't had a haircut in about a year, and uh, I don't think you've had one uh, in, in quite some time as well. I think we're catching up to each other here. Yeah, it's it's. Uh... It's the COVID haircut. That's what I tell everybody, the COVID haircut. And I don't know, I kind of like it. I'm saving a lot on haircuts, I'll tell you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I do have to get one, though, at some point. Well, you got a wedding coming up, don't you? I I do. Yeah. She's a a sweetheart, and she uh, likes the new look. Yeah. Well, you always have to remember. You always have to remember, and this comes from somebody that's been married for many, many years, that at some point, you're going to look at your wedding day photos and you're going to say, why did I wear that powder blue tuxedo and have a haircut like uh, Tony Orlando from Dawn? But that was me. That was, that was me. <laughs> well, Michael, enough, <laughs> enough of that. Let's get into some serious issues here. And this is one that is uh, going on in Burlington right now. They recently proposed streamlining waste collection so that multiple trucks won't be driving down the same streets on a daily basis. And let me point out that uh, these are the same people in Burlington that recently banned leaf blowers because of the noise. Landscape companies are infuriated. So let me ask you, Mike, is this a good idea or a bad idea, this, you know, streamlining waste collection? I think, you know, the, 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 it's always about the details, right? And I think that's where we, we struggle with it uh, in some sense. I, I think, you know, whether it be composting or anything that in, in regards to solid waste, you really need to have a good plan and un- understand the unintended consequences. And I think that's where, you know, Casella has thrived over the years is actually working with municipalities or, you know, even public-private partnerships and trying to work through those details to come up with the best solution that, that meets the city's needs and, and meets, you know, their customers' needs as well. Because obviously at the end of the day, when you're, when you're talking about consolidating collection, whether it's a municipal model or, you know, uh, a hybrid model where the haulers would still pick up or a privatized model, it all comes down to a service that you're going to provide to the residents, right? Right. And I think one of the things that uh, they, they possibly don't think about, you know, when you have Local companies such as yours, yourselves uh, at Casella, it's not just about, you know, picking up trash and recycling. When you think about the charitable contributions that you make to the community, the, the fact that you're, you're training drivers now, you, you've created a school where you're training people to, to get their CDL and to drive and, and to have a career. You know, those are things that 
well, if the city takes this up, how are they going to contribute? Yeah, those are great questions. And then even looking at, you know, they did do a big study with a, a company that is, you know, not from Vermont. Obviously, they're, they're based down in, you know, the D.C. area. And they came up with a study on how they should move forward with, you know, waste collection. And I think a lot of the haulers that I've talked to said, you know, why don't you reach out to us? We can we can help meet your goals. You know, we just need to have clear definition as to what those goals are and, you know, leave it up to the local experts that have been, you know, hauling waste and recycling and now compost and depack in, in these markets for, you know, 40 plus years. Right. Questions or comments from Mike Casella. We're talking about the uh, Burlington uh, streamlining their waste collection, 244-1777 or toll free at 1-877-291-8255. In, in the, that second model that they proposed, Michael, they talked about eliminating haulers altogether. In other words, as I mentioned, Burlington Telecom, we take over Internet. They would also take over, uh, you know, trash pickup. So, I mean, have they considered at all the cost of you got to buy trucks, you got to you got to have staff, you got to have administration. And in doing so, you're doing it on a much uh, smaller uh, economy of scale, are you not? You're only servicing the city of Burlington. Absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest concerns that we have is just, you know, the the cost estimates that are are put out there is, you know, they they think it's going to be a $6 million uh, infrastructure investment, which, as as you know, right now with, you know, building materials and other stuff, I would would question the validity of, you know, is it really going to be six and then around $5 million um, a year in operating costs. So, you're going to add traffic to certain areas. And I, I just think right now is not the time with, you know, the labor shortages is like, you know, everyone in, in the, uh, in the communities that I've seen, it's, it's really a struggle right now to find employees, right? Everyone's hiring, everyone's trying to take employees from different facets and, and bring them in. We've been pretty stable with our workforce, but it's really a tough time right now. So I really can't see the cost being any uh, lower than what they actually think they're going to be. And let's face it, I mean, you know, competition is what drives a better business, uh, competitive prices. Where would the competition be if it's all being handled by the city of Burlington? And isn't it about freedom of choice to Burlingtonians? I, I think that's the big thing, too, because you're, you're setting up a system where, you know, one of the most, and it's probably the unique part about Vermont is, you know, we've had all these small little drop-offs and dumps throughout, you know, it's, you guys even had the show taking trash or talking trash, taking stuff to the dump, right? There's a lot of these little areas where you can actually bring a bag of trash and get rid of your trash for five bucks. And we've heard a lot of that from a lot of our customers that, you know, they don't want curbside uh, service at their residential house. They, they bring it down once a month and it costs them, you know, $4 or $5 to get rid of a bag of trash and yeah. recyclables. So, you know, you're going to get rid of those services in, in those areas as well. So, some some people may benefit from it, other people may not. But my question is: Is this really the right move for the city of Burlington to be taking on such a massive, you know, capital project when you know there's housing needs, there's there's other needs that are needed in the city, and why are you going to take a you know six million dollars or ten million dollars out of an eighty million dollar budget and put it to a one? System. There's an unfinished project in downtown Burlington uh, on the marketplace. <laughs> Get to work on that. <laughs> it just yeah, ma- it just makes sense, you know. Exactly. There's a there's a lot of other things coming out, and I I just think from from Casella's perspective and a lot of the haulers' perspective, is this really the top priority? And if if we 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 do want to work with the city, right, and try to figure out, you know, how we can achieve their goals. But I think that really gets back into the detailed planning and reaching out to the community and and actually holding more public input to see, you know, what works, what doesn't work, and how do we move it forward exactly. in the right direction. Yeah, Mike Casella on the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. You can always find out more information and job opportunities on their website, Casella. Dot com. Mike, thanks uh, for joining me today, and uh, look forward to speaking with you again uh, in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if there's more information, we did put out protectlocalhaulers.com. So a lot of the haulers in, in the Burlington market kind of came together to say, you know, we're ready, we're willing and able to have a conversation. Let's set something 
up and that kind of has some of our talking points as to, you know, some of the challenges that we see with the program. Awesome. All right. People can check that out. And uh, for more information, you can always listen to our podcast, WDEVradio.com. If you missed any of this interview with uh, Mike Casella, you'll hear that uh, again right on the, on the website, WDEVradio.com. Thank you for your sponsorship of Travels with Charlie Michael. Always good to talk with you and uh, we'll continue the conversation in a future date. Thanks, Charlie. Have a great day. All right, you too. Thanks for being with us. Travels with Charlie continues coming up next on the program. We will talk with Christopher Santee. Details on this weekend's Harvest Festival. Oh, yeah, it's that time of year in St. Albans. And that's next right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you. Guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.milnetravel.com. I got to think about this one for a little bit. You can end it right there. Uh, is it Lover Boy? All right, it's Loverboy. I don't know the name of the tune, but it is Loverboy. Corm on the board uh, this afternoon travels with Charlie. Always trying to play Stump Charlie with uh, the musical choices for bumper music. And great, great bumper music. Thanks for doing that, Corm. Coming up next, uh, welcome to Christopher Santee. He's the founder of Collamont, Vermont's finest CBD company. We're not talking CBD today. We're talking, well, we might get into it. We're talking about uh, the first annual harvest Home and Hearth Festival. We've got enough H's in there. It's this Saturday at St. Albans Bay Park from 9 to 5, and it's free and everyone's invited. Christopher, thank you for joining me on Travels with Charlie. Hey, Charlie, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. So so let me ask you, Chris, why is your company involved in this event? It, it is a an event to, to raise money for Tim's House and Martha's Kitchen. Why are you doing this? Well, Charlie, actually, I have a um, an attachment with uh, the Samaritan House there myself. I happen to be a board of a member of the board of directors at the Samaritan House, and I've been able to see firsthand how some of the folks are going through some homelessness issues. And uh, it's near and dear to my heart to try and help out the community the best I can and give back. So, knowing that, I decided to. Um, steer my company in that direction and try and have a little bit of fun in there and do a fundraiser for uh, Tim's House, also known as the Samaritan House, and uh, also Martha's Kitchen, the food shelf up here in St. Albans. That's awesome, and and certainly no small undertaking as I take a look at some of the events that are going to be happening. This is the first time doing this, and I know any time you put uh, an event together, the first time that you do it, there's a lot of you know, this and that, and you're not sure of. Uh, but, man, you've got all the bases covered with 70 different vendors will be there, including food trucks, charity games, crafters. You've got live music, the big blue trunk, train ride. You know, anybody has kids, this is something, you know, this, this is the time of the year, Chris, and you know that certainly with harvest festivals that, you know, people love it. It's pumpkins, it's uh, candy apples, uh, it's it's uh, you know all of that. Uh, and when you when you big, bring the big blue trunk in with his train ride, kids love this. They just love it. Absolutely, that's what we're looking for. A little fun in the fundraiser there. And um, this Saturday should be a great event down in St. Albans. But um, I can't take the credit myself here. Definitely not. Um, I surround myself with a lot of very talented people here at Kalamont, people that are very compassionate toward the community. And I, um, I tasked uh, Doreen Heber, who's director of my sales. And Doreen came back to me after I presented the idea two days later. And she had spoken with about 40 fine business folks around Franklin County, and they had all ponied up to help this great cause. So there's a lot of people that are part of the team, and uh, 
I don't deserve all the credit, that's for sure. You know, and it's great, too, that uh, you're also going to be represented there by some some of the fantastic recovery support organizations that we have in our area, one that I'm, two that I'm actually familiar with, uh, Teen Challenge. Uh, we did uh, a video with them on Travels with Charlie. And, of course, uh, you know, Spectrum Youth Services, along with, uh, Turning Point, uh, Howard Center, and Vermont Cares, and Voices Against Violence. Uh, right. We also we have Phoenix House, Howard Center, Dynamic Care Health, um, some others in there, too. All tremendous organizations, and it's all part of the idea to bring the community together. You know, today's kind of a rainy, drizzly, chilly day up here in St. Albans, and I'm looking out my office window at Taylor Park. I'm fortunate that I have a warm, dry office to be in today. At the end of the day, I'll go home. I'll think about the problems that I might have at work, but I will go home to my warm house. I'll open up my nice refrigerator. I'll pick out food. Um, I'm blessed. I'm tremendously a very lucky person, um, but not everyone's in that same boat there. That's right. Um, some other folks need a hand, and uh, that's what we're trying to help out here. Christopher Santi, my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie, and we're talking about uh, this weekend's Harvest Festival in St. Albans, and this this is the first time doing it. Uh, Christopher is with Colomont, uh, that's Vermont's finest CBD company, uh, one of the sponsors, and it's at St. Albans Bay Park from 9 to 5. I've already checked the long term uh weather forecast christopher and it's looking like it's going to be a beautiful fall weekend you know cooler temperatures but sunshine we don't have to worry about rain so you've got live music that's going to be there uh, the food trucks as we've mentioned uh you know games that you can play but you're also doing and and i think this is probably the first time i've ever seen this at any at any harvest festival you've decided to bring in some tournaments and uh, you know, cornhole just seems to be exploding. You know, it used to be disc golf. Now it's like everybody's playing cornhole. It certainly is. Everybody can, and we're looking forward to it. We're going to have some volunteers that are organizing these events. People will be able to sign up and uh, pay an entry fee to join the tournament. And at the end of the tournament, money will be split between the winner and between these fine organizations, the Samaritan House and Martha's Kitchen. And you've got basketball. We'll yeah. A little basketball tournament, three-point shooting, free throws, um, whatever we can kind of think of there to help folks have fun and uh, and raise money for great causes. Nice. So we, we should throw it out right now, Chris, if, if anybody has any ringers that they'd like to bring in for, for the weekend, you know, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a corporation, you're a local company and you, and you, and you want to get recognition, uh, I'm sure, you know, there aren't any rules about, you know, who plays. And we got some great, uh, no, no, you know, athletes no in the area here. We have no restrictions. Everyone is welcome to come and pitch in and play and uh, have a good time. All right. So whether it's cornhole or horseshoes or basketball, if you're good at it, uh, can you just show up on Saturday at uh, St. Albans Bay Park between 9 and 5 and, and sign up for one of the games? Or do you, do you need to do you that can, ahead of time? You can, just, you can. And the uh, the games, the tournaments will be continuing throughout the day. So if you can't make it at 9 a.m., come on in at 1 o'clock and we'll have a game starting up probably soon after. Any information on the food trucks that will be there? That's always an important part of any of these events. People are looking for, you know, whatever it may be this time of year, of course. Uh, any idea who's going to be there, Chris? Charlie, food trucks and entertainment are two of uh, my favorites there. Um, on the uh, the live bands for the music first, if I could, um, we're having... Ethan Sawyer and Mary Frederick are going to start out the playing, and then we're going to have a band named Eleven. And Eleven is a St. Albans band. They're going to play some great rock and roll, old-time rock and roll music you'll be very familiar with. Now, Christopher, is that, um, is that a, is, does that Eleven refer to the number of people in the band, or is that do they turn their amps up to Eleven? <laughs> that, that would Actually, for our Spinal Tap friend. Go it's ahead. a trio, and we try and keep the sound uh, down as much as we can at the bay there to uh, also be respectful for the folks that are around the neighborhood there. Okay. Um, but Eleven is a fine band that uh, you'll recognize all the music. Uh, Three-member trio, as I said. Um, Phil Graziano will be coming on after that with a new band that he's put together called Soul, Soul Shine Revival. And uh, they'll be playing some great Almond Brothers tunes. 
Nice. Uh, maybe mix in a little Eric Clapton and oh. some Creedence Clearwater. Beautiful. Uh, we'll be closing out with Love Me Bradley. And um, and then who knows, maybe we'll get an encore in there, too. All right. On the food trucks, we have uh, Susan McGill with Jams and Jellies. That'll get you started there. And then Steve Carlin is coming in from Fairfax with Casey's Red Hot. Ooh. We'll have the Mediterranean Mix food truck there from uh, Essex Junction. Angela Carr is coming in with the Traveling Chef out of Highgate. And Deb Neville will be there from Kingdom Creamery of Vermont in Waterville. Wow. That sounds like, um, man, you could just, uh, you know, head right down and go to each one and, and have a, you know, a nine course meal. <laughs> I'm planning on doing the marathon from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. myself. The music's going to be great. We'll probably have some surprise guests. Yep. Um, just very excited about the whole event. But like I said, it's been a team Kalamont, uh, put together. We've also teamed up with another company here, a small company out of St. Albans called Finley's Cafe. Mm-hmm. And Emmy Burrington, the owner of Finley's Cafe, makes some dog treats. And she also makes some with some Calamont CBD in there. Oh, so dogs are doing the C- uh, CBD as well, Christopher. Animals are doing it. Horses are doing it as well. It's phenomenal. I was skeptical when this whole thing started, and I thought there might be a placebo effect to CBD. But when animals start reacting, dogs that couldn't walk or jumping up on the bed, there's something to it. Well, Christopher, uh, before we break, um, again, want to thank you for joining me. Let, let's let people know about the event. It is happening this Saturday at St. Albans Bay Park from 9 to 5. It's the first annual Harvest Home and Hearth Festival. As Christopher mentioned to you, food trucks, charity games, live bands, all kinds of tournaments, uh, recovery support organizations will be represented. They will be there, and it's uh, to benefit Tim's House, the Samaritan House, and Martha's Kitchen, the food shelf in Franklin County. Before we break, Christopher, if you could just quickly, um, CBD and, and your products, uh, where are they available, and how can people find out more information about that? The best way that people can find out about it is to go to our website at colomont.com. I named the company by going out to Colorado and learning about CBD and hemp, and then I uh, got some seeds out there, and I brought them back here to grow in Vermont. So I took the COLO from Colorado combined it with the M-O-N-T from Vermont and created Kalamon. Gotcha. Wondered where that came from. Christopher, thank you for joining us, and good luck on your event this weekend. Thanks for being on Travels with Charlie. Charlie, thanks so much for having me. We're also having a presence by law enforcement uh, around the community. Vermont State Police should have a booth there on driver safety, Franklin County Sheriff's Department, and the St. Albans City Police Department as well. Good stuff. Travels with Charlie, sponsored by Casella Waste Systems, Jolly Convenience Stores, Milne American Express Travel, with support from True North Radio. Theme song written and performed by Billy Bratcher. My executive producer is Brad Ferlin. Director Steve Cormier. I'm Charlie Papillo. I'll see you in my travels. It's time well spent talking president. Though we may not agree, let your thoughts run free. You can have your turn. 